May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Many of you may have, many of you have probably heard of the late Eugene Peterson. He is famous for writing over 30 books on various aspects of the Christian life. And he's probably best known for his translation of the Bible into contemporary English, known as the message. And for me, he has always been an inspiring role model of what it means to be a pastor. Peterson was the founding pastor of Christ Our King Presbyterian Church in a suburb of Baltimore, Maryland, where he served for almost 30 years before retiring. And during his time there, as church plants so often do when their numbers grow, they decided to embark upon a building project. In his memoir, Peterson shares how they went about doing this, how everyone worked together to create something both fitting for the needs of the church as well as aesthetically pleasing to their surrounding community. So what did they do? They, they did a capital campaign. The congregation responds with generous financial commitments, and so they secure an architect and a general contractor, and then various parishioners get involved at different levels in the project. Does any of this sound familiar? And then finally, even with a few bumps in the road, they complete the building and move into the new space with great joy and excitement, something we hope to do in about a month or so. But to Peterson's great surprise, in the month after the move, he begins to sense this loss of momentum as a church, like there's this spiritual dullness that has set in and filled the air. Parishioners whom he used to see on a regular basis were, were less present and involved. Longtime church members began to, to disengage and seemed to lose interest about spiritual things. It's as if whatever boat was carrying this church along had lost its rudder so that they were now adrift. And so Eugene Peterson, he starts to check in with his people, making house visits, calling folks into his office. He's trying to get a sense of what's going on. Where have you been? Are you okay? How are you feeling about things at the church? And by and large, the answers went something like this. Oh, we're okay. You know, it's just life, a bit busy. But boy, can you believe what we did? For this little church to build something like that, isn't that incredible? And that's when Peterson realized the building project had caused his church to lose its sense of depth perception. They had lost the ability to see past the present moment, to see past their latest accomplishment so that they were now stuck in that moment in time. Depth perception is the ability to perceive the distance between objects in your field of vision. It's being able to know how close someone is to you when they're, they're walking toward you. Or which object on your desk is closer, the pen or the coffee cup. And let me warn you youngins out there. The older you get, losing one's depth perception becomes a thing. 
Sometimes when I'm driving at night trying to turn left on an unlit road and another vehicle is approaching, I have a hard time. I'm discovering that it is getting more and more difficult for me to judge how close those headlights really are and how fast that vehicle is moving. So what do I do? I, I just sit there <laughs> longer than I have to, waiting for the car to pass, you know, just to be safe. Well, Peterson's church had lost this sense of depth perception. They couldn't see into the distance. There was no long-term vision to capture their imagination. Nothing beyond the present moment to draw their eyes forward and inspire them to something greater. My friends, Jesus does not want his church to lose her sense of depth perception. To take the short view. To fall into the trap of believing that everything of significance must happen right now and with a big bang. No, Jesus says. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. But when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree. This smallest of all the parables packs a powerful punch. For there were many in Jesus' day who couldn't see past the present moment. All they could see was an ordinary Jew from Nazareth going around from village to village, proclaiming the good news that God's kingdom had finally arrived, which, by the way, did create quite a stir. Because, if you'll remember, the vision of God's kingdom coming to earth as it is in heaven, well, that was utterly expansive and breathtaking. All our hopes, all our dreams finally coming true. All the promises made by the prophets, you know, the lion laying down with the lamb, the captives being set free, the, the mighty being cast down from their thrones, you name it, let's see it. And let's see it now. But what they saw in the now fell short, way short, of this expansive vision. Are you telling me that what is happening on the ground here with Jesus and his band of disciples is the establishment of God's kingdom on earth? You've got to be kidding me. Isn't God's kingdom supposed to come with a boom and a mighty display, a complete defeat of evil? I mean, yes, some of these miracles of Jesus are nice, but where's the juice, man? Where's the stuff from Isaiah, the victories promised in Daniel? This is exactly what people like John the Baptist were saying. Yes, John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, Jesus' very own cousin. Even he wasn't so sure. And so he asked Jesus, are you the one? Or do we need to wait for someone else? Because what you're doing, Jesus, while it's not bad, it, it's, it's certainly not the end game. And, and that's what we're here for, Jesus, Where's the end game? To which Jesus says, John, take a closer look 
And you'll see that the end is present in the beginning. Because the kingdom of God is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with flour until all of it was leavened. Can you see it? The kingdom, though small, it's, it's already underway. The leavening is here. It's happening, and it will not be stopped, but it will come to fruition. God wants you to hear that last point. <laughs> <laughs> You see what Jesus is saying, right? If you're going to receive this long-awaited kingdom of God, if you're going to be a part of it, if you're going to live your life in it and for it, you must have some sense of depth perception. You must take the long view and see that the glorious end is, in fact, in these meager beginnings. I think this is why Jesus chose a metaphor from agriculture. Because you can't do agriculture without the ability to perceive the future fruit in the present seed. Without knowing that the seemingly insignificant task of plowing fields, sowing seeds, pulling weeds, water and sun, day and night, waiting and waiting, all of this can feel so small and unimportant. But if you have a sense of depth perception, then you can do the seemingly insignificant task of washing dishes, sitting beside someone who is grieving, offering a word of encouragement, refusing to rush to judgment, doing the slow work of reconciliation, and, and you can know that the end is present in that work. That the kingdom of God really is taking root. Mother Teresa, now Saint Teresa, is often cited as saying this. Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Now, far be it from me to try and, and improve upon such a famous quote but I would want to tweak it just a bit and say this, that doing small things with great love over a long period of time is in fact a great thing. And that kind of life, like her life, bears tremendous fruit. But without a sense of depth perception, that kind of life will elude us because we will only take the short view we will only become enamored with the present moment, with doing the most right now, with making the biggest splash, doing something huge for the glory of God, and with good intentions, our efforts will only shrink our souls. We'll become boats without a rudder, stuck in the present moment. Pope Benedict XVI, he warns, of, warns us of this of what he calls the temptation of impatience. The temptation of impatience, he says, is to insist on immediately finding great success in large numbers without pausing to consider whether or not this is even the way of Jesus. Is it? 
Man, we are so jealous of those who experience instant fame and success. But the way of Jesus offers us instead a slow obedience in the same direction. We all secretly hope for some rich philanthropist to show up out of nowhere and drop $20 million on our doorstep so that our mission abbey here can be completed in short order. Or at least I secretly hope that that will happen. (laughs) But the way of Jesus offers us instead the slow and messy work of building a community that that houses the very presence of God, of learning how to, to live and love one another throughout the process of this long pursuit, year after year, generation after generation, Jesus invites us to take the long view to be a people marked by patience. My friends, that's, that's really what we're trying to do here on this piece of property at 212 McClellan Road, to take the long view, to do the slow work of sharing in the life of God for the life of the world on these 10 acres over a long, long period of time. In about a month or so, as I mentioned, whenever we finally get to move into our new nave and celebrate all that God has done to bring us to this point, my prayer will be that we will never lose our sense of depth perception. That instead of what happened in Eugene Peterson's church after they completed their building project, we will not check out and experience a loss of momentum as a church or as individuals disengage and lose interest in our own spiritual growth, but rather that we would stay committed to the slow work of of tilling ground, planting seed, pulling weeds, always keeping the long-term vision in view. That is why, my friends, that years ago, back in 2017, when we realized it was time to start developing our property, we worked together to craft what we now call our our Mission Abbey vision. We asked ourselves questions like this. In 25, 30, or even 50 years from now, what do we envision this piece of property becoming if if we are to develop it along the lines of our mission? to share in the life of God for the life of the world. And so we spent a lot of time dreaming together, if you recall. We had parish forums. We listened to one another. We we worked together to discern a way forward. And with time, the answer became clear. This piece of property will become a mission abbey. It will become an abbey. Why? Because an abbey is a place where God's people come together for prayer and formation retreat and worship, you know, to share in the life of God, but it will also be a mission because a mission is a place of ministry and service, a launching pad from which to bless our community for the life of the world, a mission abbey. And then we encouraged our people to get on with doing the stuff of a mission abbey right now in the present, even if the work feels so small and insignificant. Why? Because we know that the end is always present in the beginning. We know that the kingdom of God is taking root among us. And so, when we move into our new nave, 
We are going to do everything we can to keep that long view before us. To be captured by this long-term vision we call a Mission Abbey as a way of keeping our depth perception. As a way of reminding ourselves that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It might seem of little consequence at first, but it will grow. And it will leave a lasting kingdom legacy for generations to come. And we get to be a part of it. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you have called us to this wonderful task of sharing in your life for the life of the world. Thank you that you have given us this property from which we can uh, do that and then launch out into the world to do the same. Thank you that we can be a hub for church planting in Jackson, Tennessee and throughout West Tennessee. Thank you that your kingdom is coming among us. So help us to keep our eyes on the long view so that the small little steps that we take can have incredible significance for us. Help us to keep our depth perception, we pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.